The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome everybody in another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, first of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too and Happy uh, New Year to all of our listeners out there. Oh, and I guess I should say Merry Christmas because we missed that too. We missed that too, I know. But <laughs> hey, we're back. Finally. It's been, it's been like three weeks. I think it has. Has it been three it weeks? Has. It has because we we haven't done one to wrap up the signing day, and uh, I mean now now we're in dead period. The national championship game just just kicked off here, or it's about to kick off. So all right. Well, before we get into things, who you got? I know it's probably not too exciting because it's the same people every year, but I know you know I I don't know I I'm a big Jalen Hurts yeah. fan and two and and two. I think they're both kind of they just seem like class acts. But I'm going, I like Dabo. Mm-hmm. I just think he's like a cool guy. So I'm going with Clemson. All right. Yeah, I was going to go, I'm going to have to go with Alabama just because, I mean, it's Alabama and Alabama. They're, they're dominant. All okay, that. so this Anyways. totally is, is off topic, but I read something today, and I think it was Bruce Feldman tweeted it. Did you Do you know what Nick Saban has for breakfast every single morning? And he's like so regimented. It's like 6.15 every morning. He has two Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pies with his coffee really yeah that just doesn't sound like a breakfast of champions yeah, but that, that doesn't but that's all he eats that's what he has for breakfast that's what i saw on a, on a tweet this morning well that makes sense why he seems so grumpy all the time <laughs> exactly yeah it's, like come sugar on crash. yeah like have something better anyways all right enough bagging on the coach who wins national championships every uh every other year uh angie we did not recap signing day so, uh, do you want to give us a breakdown? Should we both give a breakdown? How do you want to yeah, go about can, this? Let's just, let's just talk about it. I mean, there weren't really any surprises. So, this was um, the early signing period, which was December 19th, the, that third Wednesday in December. We, we kind of have gone over this class over and over and over. No surprises. The Beavers signed 15, but then you also have the four transfers that uh, count. And then... Um, also take into account they did and this will be new probably um a grad transfer by the name of nathan eldridge will be transferring from arizona grad transfer um he's got accepted in his school so he is good to go and uh he'll be you know i mean he's a center he played center for two years at at arizona before being injured last year so united with his former coach and uh should be huge for oregon state in the fact that they lost Sumner Houston this year. So that that's a big one. Yeah, Angie, I was going to say, uh, that's I don't know if I was not like in the loop. I thought I was in the loop when it came to Oregon State football, but I guess not because when I saw that, I was like, man, like that's, that's huge. People don't understand. Like that's a lot of experience, and that's, the, I guess, I don't want to say more bodies, but let me just go back to experience. Anytime you can get a guy who is, wasn't he all Pac-12, honorable mention yeah. at least one yeah, year? Yeah, he was. He yeah. was. So and he knows Chris Polishek's scheme. So, I mean, this is this is a real pu- a plug-and-play player. That's perfect. Well, that's kind of what you need because the more pieces that you add, and I know we keep banking on the transfers obviously coming in and making huge impacts, but you got the transfers, or I guess another transfer too. So you get all those guys coming in, and, I mean, Angie, it, I don't, and like we always say, we don't want to just jump to conclusions saying like, okay, it's bowl game or bust. But I mean, it's looking a lot better that we win some games. Am I right? Am I crazy yeah, yeah. for saying that? Well, you've seen all their films because you've you've done all yeah. the film breakdowns for us on Blitz. So um, there's a lot of athleticism, and 
I, I'm going to go flat out. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that front seven is completely different mm-hmm. come September 1st or whenever that first game is, um, whatever the date was. So um, it's going to look completely different. And, you know, I, I know Evan Bennett, he's, he's kind of my, un, or he is my most under underrated recruit of this class, the, the D tackle from Matter Day. He is in school right now. He enrolled early. Just I, I just see him being a huge difference maker, along with then Jordan Whitley, the the JUCO D tackle that that's coming in as well. Yeah, well, it, if we could find a way to sure up that defensive line, I think they have the right players to do it, and hopefully, hopefully, some development in this off season, and especially right now, because now is like the time where you bulk and you get your players like their bodies completely different. So if you can do that, and especially on the defensive line, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say that. I don't know how many sacks we got this last season that we're going to flip it and all of a sudden we're going to you know, lead the conference. But at least getting pressure, at least somewhat making plays and finding ways to get to the quarterback or at least disrupt the play because I think that was the biggest thing with our defensive line is instead of making a play or even not even making the play but pushing the the blocker back, they were the ones getting pushed back three or four yards, which made it that much harder for the linebackers to make their reads, make their tackles. And then from there, there's a reason why Jalen Moore is, you know, obviously the lean tackler on the team is because every single time a team ran the ball in the middle, Jalen Moore was the only was the last line of defense, and he had to make ankle tackle every time. Yeah. Because if not, yeah. they're taking it to the house, and hence why, you know, most teams. I saw a stat on some, I think it was Twitter, and it just broke my heart that Oregon State's defense, like they gave up, I think it was an average of two eighty or two eighty five rushing yards a game. Yeah. No. It's so. That, that begs the question, Mark, is how – and this was a, a discussion we had on Beaver Blitz earlier um, in this, this past couple days. How much – you know, people – there's a lot of people that have a lot of optimism right now, and I, I think that's kind of just part of being part of Beaver Nation is hope springs eternal. Come January, it's like, okay, well, new year, it's going to be different. But how much can a defense improve? I mean, this, this defense was ranked 128th out of 129 teams. Yeah, well – how much can they, you know, what what would be a successful year in your opinion? I mean, do they are they a top 100 defense? Can they, you know, bust through and be a top 75? I just see I just see when it comes to being successful and at least making improvements, I should say. Successful is a different word. I don't want to use that. When you want to see improvement and I think Sprague hit it maybe in a in a couple podcasts ago that we had. I think he talked about the defense a little bit cuz him saying it was historically bad, and Angie, I know both of us have said that, it was historically bad. Yeah. So any improvement will obviously be a good thing, but I think this is what we need to stop doing, is we need to stop, and I know I do it more than anybody since I was a former player, and I try to cut these guys some, as much slack as I can. But at some point, we have to be, we have to just be like, listen, if the players don't want to get better, play someone that wants to get better. Even if they're not the better player, but they're going to give you all their effort, do that. Because I know for a fact there's plenty of times where there were some players that, are just, that had all the talent in the world, but they just didn't know what they were doing. They they just don't. And when you no matter it doesn't matter if you're good or not. If you don't know what you're doing, I mean teams are gonna you're gonna get exposed, and that's exactly what happened to Oregon State. Because I truly don't think it was the fact that there was not enough talent. And I know a lot of people would argue that, and I get it, like all the star ratings and the offer sheets, everything like that, but. I mean, listen, if it can't if it comes down to it and it's in between the tackles and you have a linebacker and all he has to do is be in the gap to stop the running back and he's not in the gap, whose fault is that? Yeah. It's not the Okay, co- well that Okay, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's not I don't wanna say it's the coaches because they it's just like I have you know what's funny, Angie? 
I don't want to get off topic. I'm trying not to rant. I'm holding it back as much as I can. But people always tweet me now every time they see something about a wheel route. Because yeah. I'm telling you, it happens so often, like, especially on Oregon State. And that's what I'm saying. So if at what point is it the coach's fault that players keep getting beat on a wheel route? At one point, right? And not only players, but one player in particular. Well, at one point, is that the coach's fault? I get it's the coach's fault if you want to take him out. That Okay, yeah, you should take him out. But if you are like, listen, man, do you see this wheel route? You get beat on it three weeks in a row. What else can we teach you? What else do we need to show you to make it that much easier for you? I don't know, Angie. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ranting, but I'm just saying that improvements are going to come on the players. And I get they'll come on the coaches too, like developing them and understanding where it comes to be or why they're getting paid all these big bucks to coach. But at the end of the day, it's like the coaches can only do so much for you, just like the players can only do so much. If the players don't know what to expect, then that's on the coaches. But I really think they do because I've heard plenty of people talk about how even when you compare Oregon and Oregon State, that Oregon State has the better coaches when it comes to X's and O's. Uh-huh. Or, uh, University of Oregon might have the better recruiters and all that facility, all that crap. But, Angie, when it comes down to it, I just say I just think if they want to make improvements – you got to give up what that's the biggest thing if you want if you want to get better you have to sacrifice something. I don't know what it is. For each player I don't know. But for well, me Well, so let, let I mean that that brings up a good point because I you know Oregon State didn't have a bowl game. They didn't have those 15, 15 extra days of practice and, mm-hmm. and all that goes into it. So and and today uh the 7th is the first day back winter term. Walk us through what you know, like what you're doing. I know you you talked to us about the spring or, you know, about, about fall and like getting up early. Some of you guys would get up and run stairs. But what does this winter, this is the time when, you know, Coach Smith had said, I met with him right before signing day. And he made a comment about last year, they had to basically spend the first six weeks of January teaching these guys the method they wanted them to use to lift weights right. and for conditioning. So now they're going in, they know what's expected. They can hit the ground running. What, and I know, you know, what you did is going to be different than, but, but what are you guys doing right now in January? Is it like a two day a week lifting, two day cardio? What, what do you guys do? Well, from what I remember, it was you, ba- you lift every, so you lift Monday, Tuesday, you have uh-huh. Wednesday off, but you still have film or you, I, excuse me, you have Wednesday off, quote unquote off, <laughs> but yeah, you don't. Yeah. And then there's Thursday, Friday, you have weights, conditioning, and each one of those days you have weights and conditioning, right, in the mornings and then everything after that. But um, the weekend, Saturday you have off, Sunday you have off. But okay. This is, okay. this is what I'm saying is that this is the time where it's, okay, I have days off or, quote, unquote, days off. But what are you doing on those days off? They tell you to rest your body, which you should. But I guarantee on everything, Angie, that these players did not push. Them. I don't think that they're at the level yet where they push themselves like they should. Okay. During like a winter break. And so that's why I'm saying now is the time like, okay, well, if you're not going to put in the time now, then don't expect it to show up on the field. Right. And that's the thing. Well, I, but- I saw lots of the guys. You know, I was, I was uh, tweeted at um, from um, a coach down in Southern California showing me, you know, Jeffrey Manning. Oh, yep. Jeffrey Manning. I saw that. Working out like a couple times. He's on the, on the beach in the sand one day and he was on the field. So, I mean, there are guys that are working out. There are, I, just, I was just curious, right? You know, yeah. so like, is there a film session? Is there, um, do guys do individual workouts? Like, you know, the, the, the receivers and, and quarterbacks get together and, 
and, and work out on their own. Well, that's what it should be, right? That's how you build a championship team or at least a good team, right? Okay. And that's what you should be doing. And Angie, make a, good, a great point, actually, with Jeffrey Manning because I, the thing I like about that kid, Angie, is that it doesn't – and, and I, there's a lot of players like that on the team, but it's always like we were saying earlier in the season – those handful of players that make it that much harder for everybody else. But someone like Jeffrey Manning, you see that, right? And I know everyone, it happens all the time where people are like, why do you have to show us how hard you're working? But at some point, I don't even care. I'm just like, listen, as long as I can see that the kid's putting in work and if a coach is showing me that he's putting in work, that as a Beaver fan, you should be feeling really good because when I played, there were plenty of times that that was not a thing. I know for a fact I won't say any names, but there's a handful of guys I was really close with that were like basically telling me as soon as winter break starts, they are not putting on cleats. They are not turning on any football. They are not doing absolutely anything until we get back because it's going to be hard as soon as we get back and with conditioning and weights. But Angie, that's that's like what you want to see. The mentality, I think, is changing. I know it's hard and I know we always say it's changing and everything like that, but that is a huge step. And I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, Clemson and Alabama's of the world, which watching those playoff games, I'll just say right now, those two teams are like at a different level than oh, absolutely. even the other. But those guys are working out. They're not taking days off and they're not taking a break. So because they know that the next guy down is working hard and is right there ready to take a job. Well, and that's the thing I think with I mean, when you are successful like that after a while, right, I don't want to say it just comes to you, but you just want it more, right? And yeah. I think that's a big thing with the Alabama and the players. Obviously, you get the best recruits, but why do the best recruits want to get there? It's because somebody years ago laid the foundation and ended up, right, they have a great season, and then they just keep building off that. I think yeah. that's what Oregon State needs is just one season that it's like, and I think that's and some why, senior leader or some upperclassman leadership, right? You know, I mean, I, I heard something before the Clemson semifinal game talking about seniors at Clemson. It's been going on for quite a while now that they take the freshmen out to pizza and like the seniors pay, they buy them pizza, and they basically just sit there and are like, "This is how it's done." Right. Well, and that's what you need. You just need players with that maybe Jalen Moore mentality or maybe that yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Manning mentality or Jamar Jefferson. The list can go on, but. Those guys like that, that can come in, they can, I mean, obviously they have experience under their belt, but they take the young guys in and the new guys and they teach them that, hey, and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record and old man, but think about it. Do you want to be the cool guy on campus? You can be the cool guy. You you can be the cool guy. Yeah, go hang out at the bars and that's cool. But when you're old like me and then you have to go back and tell your kids, yeah, I had two good seasons that when I played college football, or you could be like, listen. I did not want to be the cool guy. Instead, I'd rather win a bunch of games because that makes you a cool guy and that makes your team cool. Who do you want to play for? Do you want to play for a a 2-10 and Oregon State team or do you want to play for a 14-0 and Alabama team, right? And that's the difference. It's just mentality. If the players can change their mentality and really buy in, and if there's guys who are slacking, tell them to get the hell off your team. Go. Go do something else. Go drink. Go do whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but get off my team because I want to win games. And I think they're heading in that direction. Or weekly rant. I know. The, the weekly rant, but it's over with. Weekly Just like rant. that. It was really quick. I should, it is. I shouldn't. I think I should make like an intro to it. Like I'm going to start should. it up and then like I can press play or something and it'll be like Marcus's, <laughs> Marcus's <laughs> weekly rant. rant. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. But Angie, so I, I kind of want to hop back into the recruiting real quick. Okay. Okay. I... So I saw 
and I work I work with the guy. I work with Andrew Nemec, so I know a lot of people have you know mixed feelings about him. But he we had this conversation. I don't want to say we argued because I really don't think we did. We were kind of just going back and forth, and um, he because I co-host with him on a recruiting show here at 1080 The Fan, but. He was kind of giving me his two cents of how he would fix Oregon State's recruiting, right? And okay. basically what he was saying was uh, don't go for the big city guys because, right, you don't have a lot to offer. And so, I, you know, I don't know if I agree or disagree. It's whatever. I mean, I don't really think that it comes down to your location and anything like that, but it's more about how you sell yourself and sell your program. But – so, Angie, I don't know if this is like a broad question to ask you or how to go about it, but I don't really think Oregon State has maybe a major, like on a whole different level, problem with recruiting as much as they just haven't been successful. So guys don't really want to go there. So, no, that's, a, that's exactly. And I, I got I and I didn't mean to get into it with with, with Andrew Nemec, um, but he had tweeted something about that. But nobody from big cities wants to go to Oregon State and it's their worst recruiting class ever. So I, you know, I start digging, I just start looking, right? And it is. So it's ranked right now at 68th and 11th in the Pac-12, which last year they did finish the, the year 69th. So last year technically, but we're not done yet, right? We have February signing day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did was go back and look at the average. So what that doesn't do is that average ranking, it, it could hurt a class if it had less people. You could be ranked lower. It doesn't look at just average ranking per player. And I, for me personally, it doesn't take into account, um, you know, those rankings, some years are way better recruits. Some years are, it's a, it's a less talented class overall. So I, I tend to look, and I know it's easy just to say, okay, Oregon State has the 11th ranked team in the Pac-12 recruiting class. Yeah. It's easy, easy. I mean, but I like to look at the average per, average per recruit ranking. Or their their number, and it's it's a decimal, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it takes in their star ranking, um, but it takes into the composite. So it takes into the ESPN or the rivals or the twenty four seven, all of those composites, and it averages out per recruit. Oregon State's recruiting right now. I went back and looked ten years, eleven years actually. Um, so two thousand eight through the twenty nineteen class. This is the second highest when you look at the average ranking per recruit. Well, that's see, and that's I mean, so that's not um, bad. <laughs> So, I mean, and he argues that, that you know, and, and that's my, my thing is I'm not going to argue with people. I mean, if it, you can find a stat really to find whatever, you know, prove whatever point you want to prove. So that, but that's just a different way of looking at it. And for me, I like that just a little better because it does, it doesn't take into account like somebody that signs 25 versus someone that signs 10, yeah, right? I mean, right. Um, a, a class that's a 10 person class, I mean, Utah right now is ranked 12th, but I think they signed eight. So of course they're going to be lower ranked. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's what I like to look at. But anyway, as far as the whole big city thing, I, I call complete BS on that. To be honest, I mean you're not going to uh, you're not going to appeal to every person from a small town. You're not going to appeal to everyone from a, a big town, a, a big city. Um, Oregon State, I, I you know I, what Jonathan Smith is doing, and it, it'll take a while, right? I mean it, he's not a glitzy glamour. Um, car salesman type guy. I mean, that's just not his MO, but um, he really appealed to guys who bought into his vision of turning this thing around, doing it the right way and, and uh, you know, growing. Yeah, learning. exactly. Um, I mean, it's a different mentality. I mean, you, 
you can look at, there's been so many guys through, I mean, I've done this now. I think this is my 13th, I'm starting my 13th year doing this. Um, there are countless guys that grew up in big, ginormous cities, LA, Houston, um, Louisiana, or New Orleans, and they thrived and loved a small college town because it was meant that they could focus on football. And they loved that college mentality, right? That it mm-hmm. wasn't a city. It wasn't a ton of distractions. You know, you have Monroe Street and you have downtown, but you don't have everything else. But you also have the ability to be a, a really big fish in a small pond. And a lot of people like that, too. Right. You know, well, you're in L.A., you're yeah. at USC, and nobody cares because mm-hmm. it's all Lakers or Rams or Chargers. Um, they don't care. So, um, Well, and that, that was kind of – yeah, I was going to say – that was kind of my argument too. So, I mean, I got where he was coming from. I get it how he could look like that, you know, and he mostly, I, I don't want to say he mostly focuses on, you know, the duck stuff, but I think he does just he does. because they've been, you know, they've been more successful, whatever the case may be. I don't really care. But, but it's a different, you look at Oregon's recruits. Yeah, and it's just they're different. In, they're different. It's, it's, you cannot compare apples to oranges. It's a mm-hmm. different mentality. It's, it's splash. It's, um, you know, what uniform combo are we wearing? And, you know, I look at this class at Oregon State signed, and what I see, and, and from talking to these young men, I see, first of all, this is the first time in the 12 or 13 years now that I've done this, that every single one of these guys is going to qualify. There's no question about them qualifying. That has never, ever, ever been the case. So um, they're, they're smart enough to, you know, be qualified. They are working hard in the classroom. They're smart. I mean, these are guys that are gonna, going to most likely pick up a playbook a lot quicker than, than some. Right. Well, well, and, and they want to work in that blue collar. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I mean, we've asked some of them, you know, like about uniform combos and they're like, care, Just give me, <laughs> give me a uniform. I don't, I don't care. You know, I want to play football. That's what I'm here to do. Right. Black, orange. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, just, just different, right. It's totally different. Um, and you can't compare those two. You cannot, it's impossible. Well, Angie, I really like when you basically said you can't compare apples to oranges because you truly can't. And no, so when I was, cannot, li- when I was listening yeah. to him talk about it, right. And when we have a show, we, I don't want to say we go back and forth, but there's times, you know, obviously we don't agree, but, but that's good. I mean, yeah, that's what makes yeah. it, I mean, and, if you agree with everything, right. It's not and gonna work. that's why I was trying to say when, you know, when we were talking about, it, I was like, listen, you know, I get it, but I'm from Brooklyn, right. And I moved to Prineville. Right. And so when I moved from big city to small city, it it didn't really matter because I could have went to Seattle. I could have went to Eugene. I know it's not a huge city, but, you know, I I took a couple of uh, officials to ASU, took some to, you know, unofficials to UCLA, like just stop by, check everything out, stuff like that. Right. And so I never want to say you could use that as an argument, but it's just the fact that I always will base it off success. And as Mm -hmm. being exactly, no, exactly, exactly, you know, and being a former player, when it came down to it, and it came down to my decision, I looked at exactly like you said, Angie, like this. Do I want to go to a place, you know, maybe U of O, for example? Yeah, it's not huge, but Eugene is bigger than Corvallis. And when it comes down to it, what is Eugene known for or the Ducks known for? Flash, you know, I, excitement, you know, stuff like that, right? Being like in front of the camera, being in the spotlight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Compared to, and then I think about it after that, after you're done playing there, no one will remember who you are. Doesn't even matter. Nope. I don't even know if you could reach out to players or former players can reach out. I really don't know. So I'm not going to bash it, but think now. And then you flip it to Oregon state. There's plenty of guys that I met. I remember I met some of these guys the very, very first day I walked onto campus and I still talk to them today, not yeah. just players, but faculty, right. And yeah. teachers and, you know, 
what I what, exactly what you said. I was a big fish, basically in a small pond. So being a football player at Oregon State, and that's where the cool guy mentality comes from, because it is really cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say you're an act like I didn't love every moment of that because I did. <laughs> every young player does, but yeah. when it comes down to it, I was so focused because there's not there's not a lot else to focus on. Right there's no. football. You focus on football and you focus on being cool. good. And so when it came yeah. down to it, and yeah. Coach Riley, you know, reached out to me recruiting me, everything like that, I was like, wow, this is awesome. I like this a lot because the coach is down to earth, right? The players are down to earth. It's not like you're coming in like Trayvon Bradford in that story that I think it was Amy wrote maybe. It wasn't like a a used car dealership, right, or a car dealership. They're not walking and saying, Marcus, click that button. I click the button and 15 of my jerseys, I mean 15 duck jerseys with my name on it fold out. And they're like, what do you think about that? I was like, well, yeah, that's cool. But am I going to play? Like <laughs> Oregon State doesn't have a throne that yeah, you sit on, you know, right. wear hats. I right. mean, the wall, the wall of Jordans, everything like that. Like yeah. all that's cool. Don't get me wrong. I know every single player around the country would love something oh, like yeah. that. But it just comes down to what what matters to you more: being yeah. a good player and, and, and then hopefully going vote, on to right? right. Exactly. It's just there's just two different mentalities. So I think you're right, Angie. It's almost too hard to to compare those kind of two because it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And as a Beaver fan, I mean, you can't get hung up on what Oregon does or what Washington does. Or, you know, I I really see Jonathan Smith building this thing really like Chris Peterson, his mentor, did at Washington. Chris Peterson, when he came to Washington, they were horrible. Mm -hmm. Horrible. Now, it's a big city and such, but he's still, I mean, he has what what does he call them, like our kind of guys or whatever he calls them. He doesn't necessarily go after a five-star if they're not going to fit. If they have too big an ego, if they're not going to fit with the mentality of come in, work hard. And that's what Smith's doing. You well, know, it's now win some games, and you're going to get into some more, you know, some higher-profile living rooms. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, I, I don't see Coach Smith or Coach Peterson sacrificing what they are looking for as far as integrity or, or the type of player they're looking for just to get some five stars or get well, move up the recruiting ranking. Thank you. That's same, same with, with coaches. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, Oregon State has a open DB uh, coaching job. Um, I don't – we might not have hit this at our last pod either, but um, Coach Burns, the DB coach, did leave and took the same position at USC. So Oregon State has an opening for a defensive backs coach. Um, you know, and I asked Coach Smith about that right before Christmas, and his – you know, he said, I'm not in a hurry because – I, I can't afford to get this wrong and and hire a guy who doesn't fit the culture of this place mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit what they're, you know, he said, we've done such a good job of the coaches that are on staff right now. They, you know, that was one knock on the last staff was that they didn't communicate. They right. all did their own thing. Coach Anderson trumped them all and, and did what he wanted. And this, that's one thing with the staff is we've heard amazing things about the, them, them working together and, you know, the coach is really buckling down and coming up with schemes. And, and so, you know, like Coach Smith said, he goes, I won't sacrifice, you know, because it, it would set us back too far if I hired the wrong person. Right. So I'd rather wait and take a little longer on the front end than get myself stuck in something that's not going to work out. Angie, you hit that right on the head. <laughs> so, and, and just a little update. I did post this in the lodge earlier today. Um, I have heard, so Coach Smith is down in San Antonio at the um, – football conference, football coaches association of America mm-hmm. conference. And I have heard from a couple people that um, he is 
uh, talking to people down there. So I've heard anywhere from five to seven, um, you know, informal type interviews happening down in San Antonio. So well, look at that. There is that. Angie, so. that was a that was a good first segment we had right there. We kind of killed that. <laughs> we try. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't spoken for three weeks. That's what I'm saying. It's been a while. Uh, well, shoot. Is it time for some damn questions? Let's do some damn questions. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay. So I've got, we've got a couple questions here. So I you know, got this out this morning. Um here for the beavers, Marcus. This might be more of a, a me question. Um, here for the beavers asked about Nate, Nate Eldridge and Jordan Whitley that they only have one year each. Um, right now, yes, that's what they have. But Jordan Whitley, kind of an interesting story. I mean, he has he was a I believe 2014 guy, but red shirted or um, green shirted, came in, didn't qualify. Originally assigned with uh, San Jose State. Um, ended up the JUCO route, but he's had a couple injuries. So I think this guess was pretty good that they're going to get a second year for him, uh, a medical hardship, but they don't um, apply for that till till later. And, and Nate Eldridge, right now, I think it's a stopgap. I, I don't know about a sixth year for him right now, but right now you, you need to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you really do, but so was the question more focused? I'm sorry, it kind of cut out. I don't think it cut out oh, recording. Yeah, but... it's just, it was it was talking about um, Nate Eldridge, the center, the new grad transfer, and then Jordan Whitley, the JCD tackle. But they each only have a year of eligibility left. So, oh, well, that's um, that's not bad. I mean, I know Jordan Whitley. They are applying for a, a six year for him. Nate Eldridge, I don't know. You know, kind of the ins and outs. Looking just looking at it surface level, I don't think he would have a six year. Even you know, I mean, he missed a year because of a knee injury. But um, I don't know his entire story and he's not doing any interviews right now. So, um, but right now the Beavers need a center. So you you take what you can get from that. Exactly. You take what you can get and you just enjoy this. I don't want to say look too far ahead. Just enjoy him while we have him, I guess. Right. Kind of like, kind of like Ryan Nall. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was something though, that, that Jonathan Smith addressed uh, on that meeting. Like I said, it was, it was kind of a a lucky thing right before um, signing day. Coach Smith sat down with Steve Gress and Nick Dashiell and myself and it was great. I mean, it was pretty much open conversation with him about the end of the season um, and looking ahead. But, you know, he doesn't want to build this class. He would love to have it more prep prep heavy. Um, so you don't have a lot of one, one-year guys, two-year guys. But he also realizes that in some, some spots, you need to take those guys that have one or two years. Right. And, and like we said, I mean, it's a JUCO route in a way, but a lot of guys – like Mike Leach kind of built his foundation like that. So yeah, yeah. And then you, you just have that. to do it. Yeah. yeah. You can also find Juco guys that have more than, you know, one or two years. I mean, you look at Rob Vanderland um, is a Juco and he went to Juco route. He was a full qualifier. So he basically graduated high school at age 17, turned 18 during this football season, but just really had no, he really kind of hit his, his stride and growth spurt and everything a little later and was younger coming out of high school. So he decided to go the JUCO route and try to get some more recruiting attention, and it worked for him. But, you know, he played one year at the JUCO level and has four years left. Right. and so Not, not a bad gig. Right. It's not a bad gig at all. So, like you said, Angie, we got to enjoy him while we have him, all right? <laughs> That's right. So, um, 
Patrick Burke asks, any thoughts on the next commit will be for football? Uh, you know, we, we kind of glazed over this when we talked about the guys that signed early. Oregon State right now only has three spots left, three for, for February. Um, I see them taking a D lineman, and my, my eyes are completely focused on James Rawls out of Fullerton. I, I think he will be the guy. He's a defensive end um, at Fullerton uh, Junior College. I think they might look grad transfer route, maybe, mm-hmm. if the right guy pops up. Otherwise, I think they go prep O-lineman. And then that last spot, I really think we go, we see kind of a couple different directions. It's either going to be an O-lineman, D-lineman, or I see them maybe finding that tall receiver that could complement Isaiah Hodgins. Because, you know, they, they have a lot, not a lot, but they have a couple guys now that have that speed. Mm-hmm. You have an Anthony Gould or a Tyjon Lindsay, but they're both 5'9". So to have another taller guy that can go up for those jump balls would yeah, be something I'd be looking for. Well, and that's the thing, too, because now it's looking like these pieces are starting to come together. You get some good receivers coming in. Your defensive line, like we said, we're not going to jump, you know, jump to conclusions. But it's looking a little better. Offensive line is kind of shoring up. You get that grad transfer plus all. I mean, obviously, all those transfers we already got in. So it's starting to look up. And so if you, I think if you can just add on to the offense, because I never want to say this because it sounds bad, but I don't want to say take this mentality. But you look at like a team like a Big Twelve team, right? Their defenses are terrible, <laughs> but if you score more <laughs> points, you win. And I don't want to say Oregon State has to go that route. But I'm just saying, if you can, the more pieces you find on offense, obviously the more score. I mean, points you can score. Eventually, eventually, if you can shore up the defense, or if the defense can just play bad and not horrible, then you can win more games. Yeah, that's how. Here's, I mean, here's a good one. Here's another good question. Be life for uh, 82. This is good. You know, it says even with two wins this season, there's there have been some staffing changes, i.e., um, you know, hypothetically, who could be the next coach to watch? that may get an opportunity. And then I, I like this one better though. Who is the coach or Beavers cannot afford to lose? Ooh, cannot afford to lose. I, I got my, like, got, I, I'm going to Petrie. Yeah. You, I was going to say probably coach Petrie. Maybe I'm or Mahalachek. Yeah. I would say, or, I mean, I know a lot of people were kind of iffy about, um, the offensive coordinator, coach Lingrid, but, I mean, shoot, at the end of the day, if you really sit and think about it, I mean, it could be worse. We could have an offensive coordinator like Oregon. (laughs) I mean, Oregon (laughs) arguably has one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and they just don't know how to use him with that horrible pistol offense and that horrible play calling that they have. So Yeah, I mean, and and that now, I mean, the way that their their offense went this season with with Mitchell, now Mitchell's gone. So now what are they going to do? But wait, but but we're not talking. Right, right, right. right. We're done with that. Let's just. Yeah, we're done with that. Um, but it's kind of fun to sometimes just sit and talk about other teams sometimes, just because. You know, just um, a little bit. But I would, I but would the, just and say. And then he asked about uh, assistant coaching, how much influence the coordinators have. And I, I would say they have some. You know, I mean, this ultimately is Coach Smith, you know, decide, you know, he decides and makes the final say. But obviously it is important to him to have guys that the coordinators and the other staff can work with. Mm-hmm. So, But. Yeah, you're right. Well, shoot, I don't even have to say nothing. <laughs> Angie, but you're, so you're going to Petrie? Yeah, I'm, I think I'll go with Petrie just because he's just, I don't want to say he's the youngest guy, but I think, actually, I don't know if he is. He might be. But he just seems like the guy that's 
maybe I wouldn't say a closer, Angie. Like I said, you would know a lot better. But if 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 Coach Petrie were to walk into my house and try to recruit me, I would I would be sold because when I own I only got to talk to him for like maybe ten minutes, and I was like, wow, like I need to talk to this guy <laughs> even more. Yeah, so yeah. I would I would say Coach Petrie for sure. Okay, so see that's, um, and we totally like did not talk about the fact that former Oregon State coach Dennis Erickson is being inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. That's oh yeah, kind of a cool cool deal. That is cool. You know how cool I feel about that is that he accepted my friend request on Facebook. I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world. He doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> oh, he but, probably does. You know the question. I, I will say I you know because I I have gotten the ch- I had the chance to know him some when he was at Oregon State, and I will say. Hands down, he is seriously the coolest person to have a beer with. Really? Really. Okay, so I'm, I, I just trans. I had to, I had to you know talk a little about something there because I had to pull up some Twitter questions. Greg Harden says early predictions um, seems the defense could look a lot different next year. Who do you project as the starter at each position? Whoa, that's a that's a lot. I, I had that's a lot. So. I, I think the front seven looks completely different, and I I think we see, um, and I think the linebackers look different. I mean, I think Omar Spates could be a starter in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Avery Roberts, the transfer from Nebraska, will be in the mix. I think those four guys that we saw the the freshmen, you know, um, Matthew Pago, um, John McCartan. Yeah, that, that. those guys will certainly be in. I actually not to Jordan get off, Whitley. yes, not to get off topic, Angie, but you know. Something to keep in mind is it's going to heat up, especially more competition, like I always say, is better. Think about the safety. The safety battle that we'll have going on, Jalen Moore is probably yes. going to be your starter, but you have Jeffrey David Manning. Morris is back. You have David Jeffrey Manning. Morris back. You got, you know, you got some, you got some talent back there, which is going to be nice. Um, like you said, there's some, there'll be a little more depth on the defensive line. So hopefully that'll boost everybody else. At least our competition will, will raise up and, Somebody will want to take someone's spot, but uh, I didn't mean to jump in, but you can. Oh, that's good. But but here's another one, though. Who do you think are the most likely to play right away from the incoming freshmen? Evan Bennett, without a doubt. Evan Bennett, (laughs) I mean, too, hands down. I mean, I I really do think he was the most under-recruited player. Yeah, which is really weird because it's crazy that guys can really be under-recruited. But, Angie, when you watch his film, like. like And he plays against good competition. We're not talking. I mean, he was pushing guys from St. John Bosco around yeah he was like I, I watched him push something like it wasn't even anything crazy like he was running into a line, like you know obviously they went to engage at the line and he just like hit him once in the chest and the dude two, flew back like two yards onto his back yeah. and i yeah. was like who is this guy and why is he not yeah. getting offers everywhere but so he's he's definitely he's on campus now uh, and you just look at how he's built i mean he is built he's so solid in the lower half mm-hmm. just yeah, I, he's definitely one that I'm watching to I come would, in and play right away. Yeah, I would say him defensively and offensively, probably Anthony Gould. I really like watching that kid's film. I was like, "There's he's no electric." Yeah, I mean, it's and a, I mean another under recruited guy. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I mean, that's why I'm saying sometimes it's hard for me to like com- be completely sold on the recruiting business. But hey, it's okay. I get it. I'm trying to change my mentality, trying to open up my eyes a little bit and see it more. But I mean, that kid watching his film, Angie, there's no way that he – I don't even know how many offers he had. I think he – did he only have one, maybe two? He had a couple, um, but, you know, he shut it down. He he committed pretty early. He was um, he had moved to Oregon from Kansas, 
So, you know, I mean, sometimes those kids that move get kind of lost in the shuffle, and then he, he shut it down pretty early. Luke Musgrave, the, the tight end out of Bend, is another one that's intriguing to me mm-hmm. um, just because I think he's already has good size. Yeah, I mean, the kid is huge. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, I like the young guys that they got in, though. I think they have some guys that can come in and play right away. I wouldn't say that every year – you know, Oregon State really has those guys who can truly come in and play right away just based on talent, not based on Yeah, yeah. Not you know, not based on they, they just don't have enough bodies. So that's that's another good thing to keep in mind. So Luke, Luke Pebbly on Twitter, thank you. That was a good question. And um thank you again to our sponsors. I know I thank them on, on social media, but um the, the the presenting sponsor of the damn questions, Body of Health, uh, chiropractic and wellness, and then mm-hmm. our overall pod sponsor, you know, Jason Jean Baptiste, former Beaver, um, and the Influential Grooming Lounge. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you guys so much. I mean, it's it makes it makes at least thinking that somebody listens to us a lot better. <laughs> so now I'm going to totally switch gears because I know there's a there's a contingent, and since the win on Saturday, did you watch the Civil War basketball game? But let's talk a little hoops right now yes, because we are I did. in the hoop season. That was crazy. That was really good. Like, really good. I was. Can I just say, Kyler Kelly is like the real deal. Yeah, that was a that was a great pickup. What the heck? He he was a JUCO guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Had trouble qualifying, but came out of Jervis High School and yeah, down at Lane Community College. Um, He was at Northwest Christian, I believe, is where he was. Either before there was a stop there, so um, I think it was Luke Jackson, the former Duck player, is the coach there. Um, and kind of turn coach um, Tinkle onto him. Wow. I mean, yeah, that kid is. Now, I, it went sideways there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ducks with the with the press. But, I mean, seriously. Now, now I have a question for you, Marcus. Okay. And I know, you know, we are predominantly a football show. But th- this was asked of me last night. So I'm going to ask it of you today. Okay. How, I mean, does Oregon State need to make the tournament for Tinkle's job to be secure? At this point, I would say yes. I really, you know, I'm, I was trying not to be biased. I was about to say no, but I can't be biased to you guys. I can't. Um, I really like Coach Tinkle. I mean, as a person, I do too. I do but, too, as a person. Um, when it comes down to it, you, I mean, I don't want to say he hasn't had talent, but you look at it now, like this is a good group of basketball players. So yeah, I would say the the biggest thing is, anytime someone transfers. You're going to look to the coach. Say either the coaching was off or whatever that was. I think Oregon State's had three guys transfer now from the basketball team. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Angie, I think you would know better than me. No, I, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just the fact that it seems like every time a team starts to press, we don't have any guards who feel confident enough to dribble out of the press or dribble in general, which makes no <laughs> sense to me. Because, you know, I, I'm i not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I used to be quite the hooper back in the day in Central Oregon. But um, I, I truly think that it it is finally time where, you know, we are kind of riding the wave of the hype of Coach Tinkle, you know, the whole, like, armpit sweat thing that everyone was, like, super fascinated about. I don't know why. Um, you know, and then, you know, you have someone like Gary Payton Jr. who comes in and is just a phenomenal basketball player and, you know, kind of – jumped your team into the into the tournament and you could rely on him for a lot but now it comes down to I think I think uh Trace Tinkle is the guy now that really has to do that I mean he had a big game against Oregon I think he finished with like 28 like six and six or six and seven something like that but you know now is the time where if you're gonna do it you have a good group of guys who have a lot of experience since most of these guys have played since they were young or played when they were younger 
and now you you know feed him you know in a way if you're coach Tinkle basically just let him loose right don't worry about coaching too much because I know for a fact when it comes down to it especially when I played AAU and I know AAU is a lot different than college basketball but sometimes you just have to let the players play you know you can't yeah. really be too focused on the X's and O's like we always say for football but I mean, I think Oregon State has a good group of guys right now. You, you know, you have the Thompson brothers. You have Trace Tinkle. Um, and then you just have, you know, that transfer that we were just talking about. These guys yeah. are coming in, and, and they can – I mean, they can play. It's just a matter yeah. of how do you use them. Do you use them right? You don't want to overcoach them. You don't want to get them thinking too much. And I think that's almost what seems to happen, especially when teams start to press them. And so I think th- there's just some things that they need to – you know, get the but crease this is out the of year. I really yes. think this is the year. I mean, the, the Pac-12 isn't strong. But I, I see At Beaver all. Nation. It's kind of funny because I, I think going into the Civil War, I think a lot of Beaver fans were kind of, eh, well, we'll wait and see. And now with that Civil War win, that's the first time they won a Pac-12 opener on the road since 1993. Wow. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> okay, so, um, I mean, now there's, I mean, now you're, you have UCLA and USC at home this week. You can, get, you can get some big wins there. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. But I just wanted to throw that out because I do know we have some hoops fans out there, and yes. we will talk some hoops on Angie, the damn podcast. Before we get off of this topic, or before we go, I don't know which which one we're gonna do, but let's put it in perspective. And we, I know we've kind of hit on it a, a couple times, just overall, but at least. We are not the Ducks right now because think about all the five-star guys, you know, the whole, like, hoop mixtape. Everyone check me out doing these 360 dunks, which are actually pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. But let's take (laughs) a second. They are cool. No, and I never want to bash on the players, but I'm saying in general, that's why I'm saying at some time, I mean, sometimes you have to, it's not all about the stars and what everybody has to say about a player. It's a matter of what they're going to do when they get to college. And that's why I always preach that so much is because, I mean, the, all, I guarantee you all those guys at Oregon are probably four or five-star basketball players, have offers from Kentucky, Kansas, a lot of other big places, and then they come to Oregon. And so it just kind of is like kind of refreshing, you know. When I watched, when I saw the final score, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, all right, kind of brushing my shoulders a little bit like, this is kind of nice. So yeah. um, I could, I just wanted to end it on that. Just keep it in perspective, guys. You know, sometimes you got you to gotta think of the positives. It could be a lot worse. So, it could be uh, worse. could be worse. Angie, is there anything else we got? There's not. I, I, happy New Year, and I'm just jazzed for another year of the damn podcast. Yeah, Happy New Year, y'all. And uh, like we always say, if there's any suggestions you guys want us to bring into the podcast, just holler at us. Let us know. Sometimes people tweet at me, and I I mean, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I just am so bad at saying names, so I would say names, but I don't want to butcher them, so I'm not going to. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys. We appreciate it. And uh, Angie, we can be. Uh, is it back to Mondays? We're consistent. Back to now? Mondays. Let's all right. Do Mondays. We'll be consistent, and we'll be consistent for you guys too, because I know we're like, all right, we'll be back next week. Three weeks later. All right. Well, hey, we're I know back. The holidays kind of got <laughs> got in our way a little bit there. So that's true. But again, thank we're you guys back. so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado.